0: open our bibles this morning to habakkuk same pages last week if you remember that okay habakkuk is one of i'll just review habakkuk is one of the minor prophets minor being simply smaller in length than the major prophets major prophets isaiah jeremiah ezekiel uh, habakkuk Nahum, amos all these guys are shorter their messages are uh hard Hard on the people that they were delivering them to, and uh, I think with uh, uh, there's plenty of application uh, for our lives today. So we will look at the first few verses of Habakkuk. We did an introduction last week to try to give us an overview of what he was doing, what his audience was, his context, things like that, and now we'll get into it. So if you're able, would you stand with me as I read the first few verses of Habakkuk? Our Heavenly Father, we ask that you would open our eyes to this, open our ears and our hearts to to your word. They would be more than just the words on the page, Lord, but they would cut into us, reveal our own shortcomings and sins and, and your graciousness, despite of who we are, as you have reached out to us, as you have extended yourself through your Son, Jesus the Christ, who has given his life, that we might be reconciled to you. Open our eyes, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. And and we're only going to deal with the first two verses, but I'll read the first four for a whole context there. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. So this is his complaint. And, And remember, Habakkuk is one of the few people in Scripture who get to have a back and forth with the Lord. He complains and the Lord answers, and he complains and the Lord answers. So this is his first complaint. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and you will not hear? Or to cry to you violence, and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity, and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me, strife and contention arise, so the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted." This is God's inspired word for us today. So please be seated. You want to keep that open. We're going to be looking at at a few other places there. So um, the persistence of evil. Okay. The question, Lord, why do you make me see this? Why do you idly look at wrong? Like, why does it continue, Lord? Destruction and violence are all around me. Why does evil persist? Now, I don't think I have to convince anybody that evil persists in our society. quick review of the the news will show you that. A quick look at your own heart will will show you that. quick look even at uh, policies that are put out nationally in a variety of countries that are so contrary to God's law and God's word. Evil persists and it exists sometimes over abundance. The question here is, Lord, why do you show me iniquity? why do you cause me to see this trouble so apparently Habakkuk has in his mind and it is correct that the Lord is purposely showing him this that he is there to see it okay there's a purpose in him seeing this and this is an excellent question for us today why does God make us see iniquity why is it all around us you can't close your eyes to it you have to see it why does he show it in ourselves and in others. I said last week that Habakkuk would not be easy. It makes us wrestle with some very hard things, some very difficult questions concerning God, His nature, the way He acts in the world, and these first few verses are going to confirm that for you. So I will give you the short answer uh, right now to the question why evil persists. Uh, that doesn't mean you can get up and leave. Uh, doesn't I don't doesn't mean you can sleep, uh, although if you had a hard night, if your team was struggling or whatever, and you're tired from staying up late, you could... Uh... <laughs> the correct answer requires a lot of other knowledge, okay? So, yes, this is the third... And I always use the third-grade Sunday school answer. This is the third-grade uh, Sunday school answer, but it requires a lot of material underneath it. Why does, God, why does evil persist? Because Christ has not yet returned. There's your answer. When he returns, evil will stop. That's just the way it is. Until that time, evil will continue. As long as humanity exists, evil will continue. It's built into us as men and women. It's part of our sinful nature. It's part of who we are. And you think, well, if I could just change the the systems in the world, then evil would cease to exist, right? If I could just put in good systems in the world. The problem is those Quote, unquote, good systems are filled with whom? Sinful people, okay? And eventually it will return to sinful and evil. So not everybody is happy with that answer, that evil persists and it will continue until Christ's return, uh, or that humanity is the real problem. Now, if you were across the street for the uh, dinner table last night, uh, you know how the, the videos run, and there is a, always a section where they do uh, questions to people on the street, And one of the questions, and the theme was faith, and one of the questions was, um, what do you have faith in? And this one girl, as I remember specifically, she said, I have faith in the goodness of people. Like, oh, you don't know the same people. You don't even know me. Gosh, okay. This is a common thought, and perhaps it is a nice thing to say. Okay, I know that there's good in you. Only if God puts it there. Only if God puts it there. G.K. Chesterton said, the doctrine of original sin is the only philosophy that has been empirically validated for 3,500 years of human history. It's the only one, for sure. We see it again and again and again. If, If people were basically good, then we have a problem because evil persists in the world and has been part of our existence as long as can be remembered. Except for that time when there were only two of us and they couldn't, couldn't stay good for long. Okay, Personal evil or wickedness is easily seen in our daily lives. When, when we hold this identifiable wickedness of our lives in contrast to the goodness of God, then the question is raised. If God is truly good, then why does evil persist? Okay, The question has been called by many the Achilles heel of Christianity. The existence and the persistence of evil. Now philosophers, I mentioned Epicurus last week, philosophers such as Epicurus and, and Leibniz and uh, John Stuart Mill uh, have argued that the existence of evil demonstrates that God is not omnipotent, not good, not loving, or he simply does not exist. R.C. Sproul in particular dealt with this, and I'm just going to quote him for a little bit. The reasoning being that if evil exists apart from the sovereign power of God, then logically, God cannot be deemed to be omnipotent, all-powerful. On the other hand, if God does have the power to prevent evil but fails to do it, then this would reflect upon his character, indicating that he is neither good nor loving. Because of the persistence of this problem, the church has seen countless attempts at what is called theodicy. Okay. Theodicy. Now let me give you the definition of theodicy. It comes from two words, theo, the word for god and dikaios, the word for justification. So, a theodicy is an attempt to justify God's attributes and actions given the presence of evil and suffering in the world. How do we justify God's attributes? How do we justify his character which scripture says are holiness goodness righteousness all those other things with the fact that evil is in the world and it continues on only job and habakkuk deal with the question of what is a theodicy and how we wrestle with that those are the only two books in the bible that are devoted to that topic and habakkuk just takes three chapters job takes 40 some chapters okay it takes a lot to wrestle with that question, Job is the other guy in particular who gets to go back and forth with the Lord. Ask a question, get an answer. Yeah, but ask a question, get an answer, okay? So let's attempt to define what is evil, okay, first off. Now, I, it's, I know what is evil, really I see plenty of it. I know what is evil. Well, let's define it in a, in a little bit different terms here. Augustine and Aquinas, those two church fathers from past Define evil that evil has no independent being can't touch it you can touch what manifests itself as evil you can touch people who do evil things you can see that result but evil has no substance in and of itself it's like luck what's luck uh, I don't know it's nothing okay what's chance it is nothing Evil is always defined as an action that fails to meet a standard of goodness. Okay, same type of thing of sin is defined in Westminster. Um, It's falling short of the mark. That's sin. Evil is defined by its lack of goodness. Goodness exists and is perfectly demonstrated where? Only in the Lord. Only in his son, Jesus the Christ. Okay, any failure to meet that standard of goodness is shown by The uses of the law, okay? The law was never designed to save us. It was always to show us where we don't measure up and how we can't measure up to God's perfection. Hence, the need for Christ to come and give his perfect life for us. So, evil has been defined in terms of it not being good. But what is not good? What is not good is defined as evil. So, in order to define evil, you have to have an understanding of what is good, augustine Augustine called evil a parasite because it only exists because it lives off of not being good we think of sin as something that is unrighteous disobedience immorality etc but all those definitions depend on a definition of what is good if you have what is good then you have a standard and what is not good hence is evil augustine and i'm just trying to translate augustine for us into modern language augustine argues that christians hold to the existence of good where is good our heavenly father there we have a standard of what is good how does he communicate that standard to us in his word he tells us this is what is good this is what is right this is what is pure set your mind on these things so all that the believer has to do is figure out where evil comes from what is evil because we know where good is for the non-believer, they have to figure out where good comes from, and then they wrestle with evil. Of course, some philosophers just say good and evil are all in our minds, and we don't, they don't really exist. Well, uh, that's just closing your eyes to what is true. If God does not exist, if God is not sovereign, If Christ is not the Lord of all, then evil and pain and suffering and disease really make no sense at all and can have no good purpose in them. If Christ does not sit at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us and awaiting the command to return and collect his own, then all our sorrow and all our sin, the wickedness and the evil that we, like Habakkuk, must behold in our lifetime really has no purpose at all so we have to ask the question does evil have purpose well we'll see that answer we could follow as i said modern philosophical thought and just say that evil and good are simply figments of our imagination we have created them and all we have to do is uncreate them and they would cease to exist but evil exists in so many forms throughout history that it is undeniable So we can say that God exists, he is omnipotent, and he is good, therefore there must be a place in his omnipotence and his goodness for evil. See, why does evil persist? Well, if God is all-powerful, he can get rid of it, but because he doesn't get rid of it, it must have a place for us. You say, I don't really like that place, uh, and I would rather not have evil in my life, but uh, hence we do. We know evil exists. God himself never does evil, but he ordains everything that comes to pass. Therefore, he ordains the existence of evil. Since he is sovereign, since he is the creator of all that we know, he certainly could have prevented the existence of evil if he wanted to. No problem for him. But if he has allowed evil to exist, it could only be by his sovereign choice and his sovereign Therefore, we have to conclude that his decision to allow evil to exist is a good decision. A good decision. God doesn't make bad decisions. You think, well, I I think some of his work haven't been so good. No, God does not make bad decisions. Because he works all things for the good of those who are called according to his purposes. And for his glory. So the question is how does evil work for his glory how does it work for our good well the why of of the existence of evil because god has ordained it now the how is going to be answered later in Habakkuk so i'll leave you hanging so you have to come back okay so evil exists if nowhere else we are certain it exists here in the human heart and is manifest in our behavior we know that the force of evil is extraordinary it brings great pain in 3400 ish years of recorded history there have only been 268 years when there have been no wars we like killing each other we like taking what the other person has we 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 love conflict okay that's about What, 6% of human history? We've gone without a war? Pretty bad. We also know that God is sovereign over all things, and evil always serves his purposes. Whether we see it or not, he does not guarantee that you will understand it. He does not say, I'm using it in this way. He may say, trust me that I'm using it for your good and my glory, even if I never tell you how or why. We don't particularly like that. I like my answers, Lord. I like to know what's going on. I like to know what you're doing. So the answer to the question Habakkuk poses, why do you make me look at this, Lord? Why do I have to see this evil? The persistence of evil is for our good. Now, I know you're thinking, I've said this a couple of times, but you're thinking, Rand, you guys have got to be kidding me. It's for my good? Let me try to illustrate it, and every illustration is imperfect. I have a friend back in Pennsylvania, and years ago, when when we lived back there, he bought a puppy, and he bought a beagle puppy, okay, just cute as all get out. that dog had a good nose. He didn't buy it to hunt. He bought it as a pet. Well, beagle's outside one day, and he catches the scent of a deer. (sniffs) Off he goes. Mike was like, oh, geez. So he gets ready and goes after him hours he searches and he can hear him out there you know barking and chasing the deer a couple hours later he finds him and the dog is done in he's been running through the woods and he is just exhausted and Mike was you know had it up about here with this dog chasing him through the woods so he grabs the dog and he picks up a pile of deer droppings and he takes it and he rubs it all over the face of the beagle okay now at that moment the beagle did not see this as a good thing because he had to you know how, how to get it off he had to go like this and lick it off and all that kind of stuff but the good that came out of it he never chased another deer okay you could Mike said you could see him go and then and then turn away he wasn't going to chase the deer because of that evil he thought was evil was really a good for him okay imperfect but you get the picture Of it. Now, to get a fuller understanding of what Habakkuk is talking about, we're going to go a hundred years into the future. Okay, so take your Bibles, turn a few pages over to Malachi. Malachi is the last in the Old Testament, and he is, as I said, a hundred years in the future. And he is dealing with the same questions that Habakkuk is asking. Why does evil persist? Now remember, Habakkuk is dealing with the coming fall of Jerusalem. So he's about 25 years before the fall of Jerusalem, 586 B.C. Malachi is speaking to the group that has come back to Jerusalem 100 years later. Okay, Now, Judah was taken off into exile by the Babylonians. They spent at least 70 years that was the, the 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 number that was given so plant gardens build your houses so the generation that is coming back a hundred years later knows nothing really of jerusalem except what has been told them through oral history okay so they've come back to jerusalem these things have been passed down in malachi chapter 2 verse 17 So many of the the Jewish people who have come back to Jerusalem at this time are struggling with this issue of evil, and why is it happening to us? Now, they were under the thumb of the Medes and the Persians, because the Medes and the Persians had arisen as a world power, had defeated Babylon, and now Israel was under the authority of the Medes and Persians. It was bad enough being under the authority of the Babylonians, but now the Medes and Persians were were just as godless and just as prosperous as the babylonians okay so many of the jews have become disappointed with god (sighs) disappointed with god why because he's not acting like they wanted him to act he was not meeting their expectations we see this frankly in a few pages it's a few hundred years when jesus shows up and the the pharisees are like he's not the messiah that we were looking for he's the one you get okay so verse 17 chapter 2 so they are crying out to god uh, if you have wearied you know you have wearied the lord with your words wearied the lord with your words Ooh, how have we wearied him by saying everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the lord and he delights in them see they 've gotten to the point where where they 've thrown morality out, they 've thrown obedience to the law out, they 've thrown everything out because in their eyes, God has abandoned them because of the rise and continuation of evil. so they have taken the position that because we are not i don't want to say we 're not getting the blessing we 're not. The, the, the rising power in society, we are still under the authority of a larger power. God really must not exist, or he must not even care about us. Jerusalem was not the center of the earth. Nations were not flocking to her. Wealth was not pouring in. Zechariah, another prophet, had prophesied that there would be a day when these things would happen. And they were thinking when they came back from Babylon, then those things would happen. And Malachi is saying, no, that's not true. And you're wearing the Lord as you complain to him. You are basically wearing him out by your constant complaining and whining. So let me read a little bit more um and, and this is the claim everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the lord this is they've turned it on its head this is blasphemy to the lord and he delights in them the, the lord delights in those who do evil that was their thinking where is the god of justice and this is the lord's answer behold i send my messenger He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. And they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and in the former years. God's answer to the question of why is evil persisting? Well, I'm going to answer that question. And I'm going to send my messenger. Who is his messenger? Jesus. Oh, well, Rand, this is, this is about 500 B.C. here that Malachi is saying this. It's about 608 B.C. that Habakkuk is asking this question. And it's been a while since then, 26, 27, 28 hundred years, and the messenger, Christ, has not returned. You said, well, he did show up, but he didn't come to judge. He did not come to judge. Remember, he came into this world... That the world might be saved next time he comes as judge. Who can endure his day of coming? Okay, if he's gonna come as judge, who can endure it? Who can stand it when he appears? At his return, there will be two outcomes the refiner's fire and the fuller's soap. I always thought Fuller was a guy who sold soap, okay, but no, it is a type here as listed in Scripture. The intent of both of these treatments was to purify, not necessarily destroy. We have to go into chapter 4 to see, but yet there will be destruction. The messenger will bring the purification of the refiner's fire. And you know how the refiner works. You put the metal in, you heat it up, the metal melts and the dross comes up. You skim it off and you make it pure. The difference between the two groups... The former are the objects of God's covenant love. Those who truly believe, they'll be refined. They'll be purified. The other group, those who are outside of his love, at the return of Christ, they will be cast into the everlasting fire for the due punishment of their sin. So I have to ask the question, are you ready for the Lord's return? And some of you are going, yeah, I'm ready for the Lord's return. There's going to be judgment on evil and we're out of here, okay? Okay. And the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we who are alive shall be caught up with him in the air. The sound of the trumpet. And we are going home. But is your life ready to be judged? I know we're either a sheep or a goat. You're either in or you're out. There's no in between. There's no almost in, almost out. You're in or you're out. And that's what our salvation depends upon. It depends upon Christ and his work alone. But what parts of your life need the application of the refiner's fire? We don't like to look at those things. We don't like to look at the shortcomings and sins within our lives in a serious examination that we might come to the conclusion, Lord, I need purified here. We've already heard that evil will persist until the day of judgment. The return of Christ, how does it persist here in your heart today? Let's not rush to ask the Lord to return because what about those whom we love who do not believe in Christ? If he will return today, what about them? What about the untold millions who have never heard about God and his saving grace? Scripture says that God bears with what? Much patience. God is patient until what? Okay, the Sunday school class who met in here, what I tell you to remember? Until the fullness of the gentiles have come in so god is bearing with patience the return of christ he's, he's putting up with this until the full number of gentiles have come into the kingdom and then christ will return until then evil will persist there's no getting out of it until he returns evil will persist So why does Habakkuk have to look upon such evil? Why do the Jews in Malachi's day question if God is just? Why does evil persist in our world? Because God is patient and he holds back the remedy of evil until the full number have come into the kingdom. Then Christ will return and evil will be no more. So let's pray. Lord, we come before you and and it's been 26, 27, 2800 years since Habakkuk asked this question and Malachi asked the same question and your answer's the same for you do not change. I'm patient. I have, in, your, in God's mind, I have a full number that I want to be saved. A full number that will be saved. And until that number reaches completion, the Lord and we will bear with the persistent evil we see in the world. Heavenly Father, we know that sometimes it'll, it'll get worse, sometimes it'll get better. And you've placed us here as the church as a hedge against that evil. One of the, one of the ways that, that evil is, is combated is the presence of the godly in this world. That our lives that are actions, that are decisions, even though they are unpopular, even though they may go against the grain of evil society, they helped hold back that to some degree. And Lord, you have said that it's possible to do this because I've given you my Holy Spirit. And because of that, we are able to do more than we ever thought we could in our own strength. And we do these things to your glory and your purposes. So our Heavenly Father, we ask that in these coming moments, you would help us examine our lives. Where do I need refined? Where does the fire of your purification need to settle in my life so that I may become more and more like Christ? For it's in his name that we pray. Amen.